it's Carmita, and welcome to Missing in the PNW. <coughs> oh God, already. I promise you guys I'm not sick. Ugh, just woke up. Obviously, my girls are still sleeping, but you know how we do. Gotta get this end of year recap going. So first off, just want to welcome everybody. If you're not in the Pacific Northwest, let me tell you how it is today. Gray, wet, dreary, and cold, uh, which is why I'm in my Super Mario hoodie today. And yeah, we're just we're just gonna go through. I got some updates for a lot of different things actually for you guys. Um, and then we're just gonna recap the year like we always do. And we're gonna go ahead and do um some updates coming next year, which not tomorrow, even though tomorrow's next year, but next year they're coming, I promise. So I was just going back and looking at all the different episodes. Um which actually, I'm kind of surprised. I only did like 14 episodes this year. Actually, some of the episodes were in two parts. So um, let's see if we count them. Okay, I lied. I did like 22, but some of them were very short kind of bonus episodes, um, and then some were, like, piggyback off of other episodes, if that makes sense. So, first one that we're going to start with today, actually, is beginning of the year, um, January 11th, and then January 16th. So, January 11th, we did MMIW of Yakima. So, you guys know Yakima is, like, the biggest reservation in um, Washington, and for some reason, it's also, unfortunately, the most cursed because everybody seems to go missing there or, unfortunately, end up dead. Um, this is something that, again, I want to push for 2024 is getting more attention to that area. That is the one, like area the one reservation is the biggest one yes but i don't understand how many people go missing there every year it's a lot there's so much bad stuff that happens there and i'm not saying this because like i'm trying to hate or anything but it's people don't realize this and people don't pay attention and that's what i'm trying to like really bring awareness to so um the beginning of the year, so beginning of 2023, uh, the Washington State Patrol missing Indigenous person list, which I talk to you guys about that all the time, they had 139 names on it. 80 out of those 139 names were women or girls. So there's 40 adult women and then 40 girls that were on that list. The other 59 comprised of men and boys. There was 40 men and 19 boys. 40... So half of all of the women that went missing were from Yakima, women or girls. 80 total, 40 of those were from Yakima. That's a lot. Uh, 14 or 15 of the men or boys were, went missing from Yakima. Still, that's a lot. Again, what is going on Yakima? And in 2022, actually... Um, for Native American Heritage Month, if you guys haven't heard the episode, I did do an episode on Thanksgiving. Um, Thanksgiving, y'all know how I feel about that. Anyways, uh, 
called What's Going On in Yakima. And it highlights a lot of the unfortunate things that nobody can figure out what's going on. Um, so Thanksgiving 2022, go back and listen to that episode if you haven't. So one name in particular on the MMIW list that I was a little confused with, it was a 17-year-old girl named Alberta Stahi. So she went missing in May of 2022. But at the time when I did the episode, she her name was on there twice. I don't know why, but she was on the missing indigenous persons list twice. And it was in two different places. Um, as of, well, they haven't updated yet. But December 18th, um, 2023 was the last time that they updated the MIP list. And that was, God, uh, I don't even, what, what's today? See, this is my issue with the list too, which you guys know I've done this before. The 18th, okay, I guess that was two weeks ago. So this list is supposed to be updated. I thought it was every two weeks. I think it's twice a month. So I guess technically, I don't know. It seems like it only got updated once. Maybe it got updated at the beginning of December. I don't know. I still, again, don't, I can't figure out when they update it. But this was as of December 18th. Her name is actually not on there. I want to really, really, really hope and pray that that's for a good reason. But honestly, either way, I can't justify it. I can't say anything. I don't know if they took off her name because they found her and she's okay um, if she's not considered missing anymore. I really don't know what happened, but I just know that her name's not on there anymore. So if anybody has any, like, insight, please let me know if you guys hear anything. Because that would be really, really, you know, good to hear, obviously, if she's okay. Um, and y'all know my ADD's acting with me right now. Like, I don't know why I decided to do this at 11 a.m. in the morning when football's on and my kids are still sleeping. And... Yeah, but we're just going to keep going. So <laughs> I love you guys because, you know, I'm a little crazy and I do a lot. But we're going to get through this. I promise you. Um, okay, so the other big name that was on that list was it's not only the MMIW. It was her family. Um, so let me explain. So Sherry D. Sampson, LOL, she was actually murdered in 1992. Um her body was mutilated. She was sexually assaulted. Very, very, very just horrible, horrible things that happened to her. And her killer's never been found. Um, there's no justice for her. There's no justice for her family. And to make matters worse, two years later, or almost two years later, because her body was actually found on, oh, God. Has it been that long already? Her body was found on December 30th, uh, 1992. So that, I mean, it's New Year's Eve. That was just yesterday. That's, that's, it's been 30 years. Wow. 31 years. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, two years later in October, right before Halloween in 94, her dad went missing. Daniel Sampson, a.k.a. Donnie, um, he was out elk hunting, which very popular in October, um, especially when, if you live in the Pacific Northwest. He was out elk hunting and disappeared. His uh, car was found abandoned. He had three rifles. He owned four. Three rifles were found in his car. 
the fourth one they're assuming was with him and um everything else was in his abandoned well he had a truck not a car but everything else was abandoned in his truck too his medications his lunch all of that so nobody unfortunately knows what happened to him either so that's just two really really i can't even imagine hard things that that family's gone through losing both you know sherry and then donnie it's again these are the people that really really need this attention we need to figure out what's going on and that's gonna be one of my things of 2024 i'm not gonna stay quiet anymore i've been doing this long enough to where yes again it's a catch-22 do i have content to give you guys yes do i want content to give you guys not really because then that means that someone else is suffering some other family is going through something horrible it's sad it really really is but i'm I guess the only comfort that I get out of this is knowing that I'm helping to give these people a voice and their names and faces, if I can find a face, because some, you know, I can't get out there and people get at least some type of awareness of this. So, um, again, going back to the list, so 1218, just a couple weeks ago, there's 124 names now on the WSP MIP list. Um, so beginning of the year, again, there was 139. Uh, we're down 15 names now to 124. Um, there's 35 women and 32 girls on that list. There's 40 men and 15 boys on that list. 32 of all of those, again, are from Yakima. They're missing from Yakima. <sighs> 32 guys, 32 out of 124 are missing from Yakima just in itself. So the other episode that I did kind of counterpart to MMIW was MMIP, um, Missing and Murdered Indigenous People. That's mostly the men and boys. That was the other episode um, that was done afterwards. Um, we already talked about, da- uh, about Donnie. I, his name's Daniel and I, but his nickname is Donnie. So I keep trying to say that. Um, so Donnie, besides him, um, there's a couple other people. Uh, so Gerald Wayena, he's been missing since April 24th, 2022 from Topanish. I know we've talked about Topanish before, um, it's up there again, Yakima Reservation. Matter of fact, these two episodes, the first one and the second one, were particularly for Yakima. Um, it was the MMIP of Yakima and the MMIW of Yakima. So all of these people that I talk about, they went missing or are from the Yakima Indian Reservation. Um, Justin Lee McConville, he's been missing since January 2015. Um, from Topanish. Elias is actually the missing from White Swan from December 2018. Um, God, yeah. I mean, Justin, there wasn't a lot of info. He did have some very distinguishable tattoos. That's, this is probably going to sound really, really bad right now, but if I ever go missing, guys, <laughs> I have plenty of tattoos. You'll know that it's me. Um, that's something that's very distinguishable, especially on me. I have a lot of tattoos. Um, and so for Justin, he had pretty distinguishable tattoos. Um, he had Chief, Chief Joseph tatted on his right arm. 
He had like a tribal fishing design on his left arm. Um, and then they said a Native American design on his back. I don't even know what the hell that means. Kind of like if y'all knew anything about earlier this year with the Hispanic baby shower. If not, I'm not going to get into all that right now. Okay. But um, I don't know what a Native American design is. But apparently he has one tatted on his back. If anybody knows what that is, please let me know. Oh, <clears throat> sorry. My, oh my God. Whew, it's the morning, guys. My voice still trying to wake up. <clears throat> so, Gerald Wayena, that was another one from Topanish. Um, so, here's one that actually was in Oregon, not Washington. So, Ira Kennedy Yollop Sr. He's been missing since May 20th, 2010. He went missing, though, from the Dallas, Oregon. If you guys don't know where the Dalles is, the Dalles, it's not like Eastern Oregon. It's kind of like Central, not Central Oregon, because I'd be like in the middle. Take I-84 East from Portland. You guys know I talk about Portland all the time. Y'all should know where that is by now. Take um, I-84 East to from Portland. Um, it's probably like, I think the Dalles is like maybe an hour and a half drive. It's not that far from Portland. Um, but that's technically where they have him missing from. But the Yakima Nation Police Department is actually the ones looking into his case. So, again, I don't know if that's because he's from Yakima or they thought that maybe he was traveling to Yakima. I'm not sure, but that was just one of the interesting ones that he didn't technically go missing in Yakima. Um, and then the youngest, um, the youngest person that I found actually the little boy well the youngest between boys and girls but it was a little boy um he was just three years old at the time he went missing in May of 1984 and for the life of me guys I don't even have a name like I don't he was three though like he was little um one of the other things too that I just wanted to bring up like I talk a lot about MMIW and how, you know, natives are more, more likely than most women to go through domestic violence, sexual assault. Um, it's, it's crazy the things that native women go through. Um, but I also did want to make kind of some awareness that men can go through domestic violence as well. It's not just a woman thing. Um, I mean, it's, Men have, you know, a one in four chance of experiencing sexual violence. Two in five have experienced physical violence by an intimate partner. One in five have experienced stalking. Yes, guys, I talk about them stalkers and the white kidnapper vans. It's just not men that come out of there, guys. There's women, too, that are crazy. Uh, three and four have experienced psychological aggression. A quarter, okay, guys, not even a specific number, a quarter of gay men and one in three bisexual men have experienced rape, physical violence, and or stalking by an intimate partner. Many two-spirit men have an additional stigma and barrier when seeking help for this. Men don't talk about this stuff a lot. I feel like... With society and masculinity, men don't talk about how they experience sexual or physical domestic violence. 
And that's, again, something that I thought was really, really important in this episode that I did to bring awareness to. Um, Because, again, it's not just, I mean, anything can happen to anybody. It's not, I hate when people try to group, like, believe it or not, guys, there's still dumbass people in this world that think that HIV and AIDS is a gay disease. It's not. Anybody can get it. And anybody can experience sexual violence, physical violence, emotional trauma, like anybody. It has no gender. It has no race. There's no barriers to that. Oh, already, guys. Already you're getting me into a rant. It's only 16 minutes in. Um, so, yeah. Uh, next episode. Oh, this was the other one. Again, I'm going to I'm going to say this, guys. Don't please. I'm not trying to get sued. It was a little mini episode that I did called Legends Casino Disappearances. It came out the same day as the um, missing men in Yakima. Now, again, not hating on the Legends Casino. I heard they're a cool casino, you know, over in Eastern Oregon. Um, or actually... Yeah, yeah, it's over, uh, not Eastern Oregon, sorry, Yakima, that's why. I'm thinking of Pendleton right now, don't ask me why. Yakima, everything was Yakima related. So, Anthony Colfax Peters, aka Tony, has been missing since October 1st, 2014 from Topanish. He was last seen at the Legends Casino. What he was doing there, probably gambling and having a good ass time. What I'm about to go do tonight, by myself. Anyways... He was there. He's never been heard or seen from again. Uh, He was homeless at the time of his disappearance. Uh, He was known to couch surf between friends and family. Pretty much stayed in the Yakima Valley. Sometimes went to Seattle. Not sure exactly where he went missing, but that is the last time that anybody seen him or anything was at that casino. Um, He had tribal checks. That was pretty much his only source of income. When those weren't cashed, I think that's when everybody figured out what was going on. Uh, he's actually five foot. See, this was the other thing too. Some of these descriptions that I get, like five three to five six. Uh, what? Like I'm almost five three. I'm short. It says five three to five six. I don't know how tall he was, guys. I just know he was in that range. And 160 to 170 pounds with black hair and brown eyes. That could be everybody. I hate these descriptions. They don't. There's like not a lot to go off of. Um, so Rosenda Strong, actually, <clears throat> she was um in the Yakima MMIW episode. Uh, she went missing in October 2018. Unfortunately, they found her body in a freezer guys in a freezer on july or in july 2019 um last thing they yeah what they didn't tell you was she was last seen at legends casino so i don't know what happened in that time um god that's in a freezer i still to this day cannot get over that like god rest her soul please because being found in a freezer on the Yakima reservation. I just cannot even imagine. And again, not hating on the legends casino, but there's just some weird shit that's been happening there. Um, 
Estela Rios was last seen there as well in September 2013. <clears throat> oh, God, sorry. Um... This one I feel like was a little more clear, even though they don't think it's clear. She literally was last seen at the Legends Casino with her ex-boyfriend, um, who was abusive and is a person of interest in her disappearance, but has never been arrested or charged. Nobody knows what happened to her, unfortunately. It's, again, one of those things that we may never know. Um. So the biggest episode, actually, that... It was one of my biggest episodes of the year was January 18th. I did a collaboration episode with my friends, Cassie and Caitlin over at PNW Haunts and Homicides. Um, We did a very well-known Portland case with a twist. So if you're from Portland, um, anywhere in Oregon, actually, or Washington, or even, I mean, this was national news, even if you're not in the Pacific Northwest, you should know the name Kyron Horman. Little boy went missing again. I've seen his dad. His dad's been at events. Real nice guy. His mom's very, very nice. Wholeheartedly, I don't care. I am saying it right here and then. I know his stepmom has something to do with it. Terry, you're a piece of shit. That's all I got to say about that. It was an episode that really everybody's covered and they really didn't want to do, but we got a twist on it. So the twist was that the gardener that supposedly was hired. Now, if you guys have never heard the story, literally, it's crazy. Just for the craziness, go check it out. And I really do sincerely with my whole heart hope that. Kyron's family gets some type of justice because nobody knows what happened to him, even though everybody knows his stepmom did it. I don't care what anybody says. The stepmom did it. And I'm probably going to get hate for that, but whatever. Y'all have never known me to stay quiet, so that's that. The gardener that apparently Terry hired to try to kill her husband, yes, Kyron's father, um, he also had two kids that went missing. So the mom of the two kids, their names were Jamie Ubaldo and, um, oh gosh, I feel so bad right now because my brain is everywhere right now. I can't even remember. Um, Jamie and Ubaldo Sanchez. Sorry. So Jamie Mejia and Ubaldo Sanchez, they went missing with their mom. Um, most people think they fled back to Mexico. They were the kids of the gardener that was apparently hired to kill Kyron, or to kill Kyron's dad. Hired by Terry. So that was the big twist in that episode. It's crazy. Y'all go listen to that. Um, yeah, and I did have a listener. I can't remember who, because I did an episode in 2022 on, um... Uh, Jamie and Ubaldo and I had a listener actually tell me like hey did you know that they were the gardener of this I don't remember that person's name but thank you so much if you ever see this person that told me that I appreciate you because that just kind of set off a whole chain reaction of events um let's see 
January 25th. So January 25th, um, Benita and Rosalita, it was another combined episode that we did. Uh, January 25th is my mom's birthday too, actually. Um, just throwing that out there real quick. Uh, but Benita and Rosalita, so... Benita has been missing since March 26, 2022 from Topanish. Where's that, guys? On the Yakima Reservation. Um, she was last seen at a motel. Uh, her cousin, Lonnie, which I still need to get a hold of, has been a big supporter of her. Um, big advocate trying to figure out what happened. Um, she thinks not that she thinks she knows something happened um she said that bonita is not the type of person that would be like in hiding so she knows unfortunately that something bad has happened um they just don't know what um it's really really this is another case that just pissed me off because it was all of these outside people coming in um Lonnie had said that over the summer she received numerous messages on social media from people saying that they know something about Benita. That police, you know, they're not saying anything. Um, and I don't know if these people are doing it because it's so hateful or because they actually know something. Either way, guys, like, it's not... Leave these families alone. If you're not here to help, leave them alone. It's so frustrating for me when people are just out there randomly like, oh, oh my God. There's there's a couple other episodes that we're going to talk about during this that same thing. It's, I can't. It's just so disrespectful to the family. It's so disrespectful to what people are going through and their feelings. And, you know, I, I hope Lonnie gets the closure that she needs and we find out what happened with Benita. So Rosalita, AKA Rose, she's actually been missing since June 15, 2015 from Wapato, Washington. Um, she was last seen at her grandma's house. Um, she, reportedly had like an alcohol and drug program and was at her grandma's house reportedly high on drugs and her grandma asked her to leave. Um, after that, she, I mean, she lived with her grandma her whole life. She's been with her grandma since she was two. After that though, nobody knows what happened to her. Um, she's another one that has pretty distinguishable like scars she's got piercings um she has scars on her chest uh she's got scars on both of her wrists um she had her ears and her lip pierced pretty distinguishable stuff um unfortunately she did have issues with substance abuse she had been out of rehab uh but again guys that's i mean not only her being native but i feel like that's also a big factor because as much as people say that they want to help, there's so much stigma around alcoholism, drug abuse, um, prostitution, all of that, that when law enforcement hears that, they just don't care. They give up and it's so disheartening because these people are exactly like you and me. Like, 
there's still people that deserve the time and attention that everybody else does. And maybe even more because they had that problem. Like these people are supposed to be here. The law enforcement and everybody, why do we have rehab centers? They're supposed to help. Everything is not about just about money. Everything like you're supposed to help these people. That's whole part of your job. But once this happens, kind of just, oh, well, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It's, I can't. It's one of those things again. Um, um, okay. So the next case, I have to start by saying a big apology. Um, I actually got yelled at very publicly on the Facebook page for the next case. Um, which I should have known just by the nicknames. Um, February 1st, 2023 did an episode on Danica Childs. Now, again, guys, I have no excuses, but for this one, I was probably either really tired or my ADD was acting up and I did not pay attention. And again, I sincerely apologize for that. I got yelled at, um, for calling her Danica, which I did multiple times throughout the episode, which I probably, again, I said, like, I don't know how to pronounce her name in the episode, but I kept calling her Danica, but I should have known because her literal nicknames were Nika Nika. So that was my dumb brain that totally fucked that up. So again, I apologize. Her name is Danica, not Danica. Um, she went missing December 21st, 2007 from Federal Way, Washington. Um, she, some of her belongings were found in a hotel in Kent, Washington. Um, pretty much like all of her big stuff, her Kurt, her, her Kurt, what the hell am I trying to, her coat, her coat, her purse, and her cell phone were still there. Obviously, I'm not awake and can't talk today either yet. So, this is the thing. She was in a motel that was super shady and had a reputation for being a drug spot and a spot for prostitution. Do I think she did that? Absolutely not. All of the police, of course. I mean, guys, she's biracial you know when it comes to any type of other race than white people it's they find something um and police just thought you know oh she's a runaway she's a teen it's whatever she was found in a shady her stuff was found in the shady part no everyone's pretty sure that she was sex trafficked um which we talk about sex trafficking i feel like so much and it's such a problem for the Pacific Northwest, especially up in that area, which Federal Way is by by Seattle. And up in that area with all of the ports, I mean, they got train stations, like docks, all in Seattle, Federal Way, all that whole area. It's so easy to hop on the water and just disappear. And there's a lot of sex trafficking that happens up in that area. So... I 100% do not believe that she just ran away. I believe something happened to her. Um, and she was, she was a normal teenager. You know, she was very smart. She loved um, poetry. She loved dancing. She was in school doing good. I 
I don't understand, you know, people, women like that just don't run away. Girls, teenagers, whoever, they don't just run away. So for the cops to just be like, she's a runaway, whatever, that's not, no, I'm sorry, but no, that's not a thing. Um, but again, I do sincerely apologize for mispronouncing her name. Um, and her name is Danica. And I, I mean, I can go back and re-record the whole episode if I need to, because I really do feel really bad that, um, I, I mispronounced her name. Um, March 8th, uh, did a case on Asia Wilbon. So Asia, actually, I talked to her dad. Um, Asia was originally from St. Louis, Missouri. Um, she lived in Charlotte, North Carolina. She was over, she moved over to Washington. Um, she lived with her dad, her bonus mom. Um, she had one sister, at least, uh, in Kent, where she lived. And, you know, she was another very beautiful, very smart um, 16-year-old girl. Um, she kind of, we, we still don't know, um, what happened. Cause she's another one that she just kind of walked out of her house one day and disappeared. Um, she, <clears throat> her family looked for her. Her dad's a big advocate. Uh, she went to bed one night, February 12th, 2020. And the next morning she wasn't there. Uh, <clears throat> sometime in the middle of the night, her bonus mom said that she had heard somebody walking around the house. Um, but they never would have thought that she was just, you know, walking out the front door. There was absolutely no indication that she was even thinking about running away. Um, federal way, open federal way. Like I said, they have like the train station and the bus and, all that over there. Um, there were reports that police say they investigated um, where she might have been, but they didn't find anything. Cops didn't. Um, they tracked her phone, but that was the last ping was in Federal Way. Uh, Kent to Federal Way is like a 20-minute car drive, so to like walk there would have taken a long time. So I don't see how she walked out her house and walked there. Just kind of doesn't make sense. Um, and her phone, you know, she didn't charge her phone. She didn't have anything with her. She, her phone charger, her purse, every kind of personal belongings. Like she literally had nothing with her but her phone. Which which teenager doesn't have her phone all the time? I have my phone all the time. Um, but with no charger, her phone did die. And that's when, of course, the pinging stopped. And, uh, you know, she was... This is another reason why I don't feel like she just left. Was because she was a girl who had social anxiety. Um, I deal with anxiety. I deal with depression. You guys know I'm really open about mental health because mental health is so important. I think with her social anxiety, I just don't see her walking away. It just doesn't make sense that she would do that because she doesn't want to be around people. So, again, I don't... I mean, she was dealing with a lot, too. Um, unfortunately, her mother passed away. And, you know, 16-year-old teenage girl who loses their mom, I can't imagine 
what that must have been like for her. But again, I don't see that as an excuse of to why she would just walk away, especially with her anxiety. I mean, she probably has a lot more, you know, like mental health issues than that. And this is why this one was just, I don't, I, this one was really, really, really just weird circumstances. Um, and like I said, I talked to her dad. Um, we were going to set up an interview with uh, her dad and I believe her bonus mom and her sister. Um, life and time got away from us this year. Um, definitely going to hit them after the new year, though, and see if they, you know, want to do that again. I really want to hear. I, I want to hear. You guys know I like hearing. I like talking to the families because it gives us a sense of what they're going through. A person will go missing and it just doesn't affect that person. It affects the whole family, friends, everything. Um, and I want to hear more about Asia. I want to hear how she, how she was as a person. I want to hear, you know, the unfortunate struggles. I want people to understand that how much heartache someone going missing causes. Um, so I'm definitely going to try to talk to her dad again after the new year. Um, one thing that I did that I'm glad she's still getting some attention, um, because I mean, it's been, let's see, February will be four years since she disappeared, but she was one of the girls that were on the NCMEC, which is national show. What is that? Man, I can't even think of acronyms right now. It's the national children's site for missing and National Missing, I can't even think of it right now. It's the children's site for the National Missing and Exploited Children. Um, that site, they have like these billboards. They're not really billboards, but they're like big posters kind of that go on the side of semi-trucks. Um, and she's been on there and they go Pacific Northwest. They go across the country. Um, so anybody who has seen those... I actually, a couple months ago, I think over the summer, I saw her face um, and her name on the side of a truck. It was at a way station right outside of Woodburn, Oregon. Um, so I'm glad that there's still those trucks out there and she is getting, you know, people, you may not think about it, but people, I know people who have probably seen these and didn't even think about it. And now that you've seen it and you know like oh okay so yeah they're on there um and that's it's really good exposure actually so i'm really glad that even after almost four years um her name is is face is still getting out there um next we have man my computer is not working for me how i want it to right now kelsey kelsey emily collins um for though for that case guys I can't even I can't even really tell you uh, you have to go listen to that one um I was very fortunate to talk to both her mom and her sister um there it's a two-part episode it was very long interview and this was one of the first times where I let her family do the talking um I know she went missing from Everett Washington on May 9th 2009 but that's pretty much all I gave. Um, 
it was very I'm glad that we got to do it and I want to do more of these but her family's the one that actually told her her story her family her mom and her sister um explained everything that they had gone through explained what happened how she disappeared why they think she disappeared um and unfortunately we know something happened to her uh just based off the circumstances um, she was testifying against, uh, in a grand jury testimony, f- you know, against men that sex trafficked her. And uh, we know that something happened, something, they know that something happened. And that's, it was a very big two-part episode with a lot of emotions. Um, and that's. Yeah, just go. That, that's an episode you're gonna have to go back and listen to. Really, um, both parts go go back and listen to that. Um, Katia, which this one, it's one of those names that I did have to look up. I'm not even gonna lie. It's spelled K A T Y A, uh, but it's pronounced Katia, and she's been missing since March 21st, 1997, from Federal Way, Washington. I feel like we. St- talked about federal way more this this like year than we have about seattle but it's up there again um i don't know it's just this is why i go to seattle like once a year i just don't mess with that area or like when i go up there for podcast stuff but seattle is just so sketch to me um but anyway so katia uh was living with her dad she went to auburn high school um fortunately she wasn't doing too good in school she you know was skipping class she had bad grades um march 20 oh yeah that was the other one march 21st was when she like left and went missing um and then two days later on march 23rd was when she was actually reported missing um it's Ah, this one too was another one. Um, after, after like Katia's disappearance, um, her act, her dad actually took his own life. Um, another girl that lost her dad. Um, but she was already gone and you guys know how I feel about that because of what my girls have been through. Um, but you know, her dad was understandably upset because she was gone and, um, you know, he had just gone through a divorce. He had a lot of stuff that he was dealing with too. Um, but losing her was probably everything for him and, Unfortunately, he, you know, couldn't take it anymore. And it's sad because I feel like, um, I mean, Katia's sister, Tracy, I can't imagine what she's going through too, losing, you know, her dad and her sister. And she's the one that's been more of the um, kind of family advocate. Um, and actually, uh, Katia's dad, three weeks before her disappearance, um, they believe he had tried to commit suicide then. Um, but that, yeah, he, I mean, he drove head on into a, a semi truck. 
Um, and he survived that. Uh, but then again, after Katia went missing, it was just, it was a lot for everybody. Katia was so pretty, guys. Like, she worked as a model part-time. She was so pretty. Um, she was actually born in El Salvador. She was adopted by her parents when she was three months old. Um, and she was only 15. And the, the pictures, she does look older. She really, really does. Um, but she was only 15 when she went missing in 1997. Oh, that was a lot. Um. Oh, gosh. Okay, so... I feel really, really bad because you guys know I do, like, Hispanic Heritage Month. I do Native American Heritage Month. There's a whole other, like, demographic that I feel bad on. Um, May. And May is Asian Pacific Islander, um, like, Heritage Month. And I didn't ever know that. Um... When I think of May, you know, I'm I'm half Mexican, so it's like Cinco de Mayo, Mother's Day, stuff like that. Um, but there's a whole other demographic that has a Heritage Month. And next year, I'll make sure that I do more for that. Um, but the cases that I covered were um, Mansour Riaz and Bernard Anthony Kiba. Um, I did Nuet Fong and Soon Lee. Um, and then let me just go in. Uh, oh yeah, this was another one. So Montour and Bernard, um, Montour went missing from Bellevue, Washington. Um, it was right after the new year actually, cause he was in Canada, um, visiting family and then, he came home to Bellevue and he's been missing since January 2nd of 2011. Um, he worked, this was another guy. He worked as a software developer for Microsoft. Like he was so smart. I remember back in 2021, um, I did another episode, which was very freaky because it was the same thing. Like that guy was a software developer for Microsoft. Um, and if you guys still don't know, Microsoft, like, their headquarters is up that way in by Seattle. Um, but it's just so weird that I got two cases of Microsoft software developers. Like, it was just the most bizarre coincidence. Um, but it actually talks about that. Like, Krishna. Krishna Venkatesh. That was his name. Krishna, it was almost, you know, two and a half years later after Krishna's case, Krishna was a Microsoft developer. Um, and yeah, and then Mansoor went missing. Um, it was pretty much the same. Like they went missing. They just, they were last seen leaving their house and that's it. Um, but yeah, I, oh, that was the other thing I had to look up too. So a person having origins in any of the um, following the original peoples of the Far East, Southeast Asia, uh, Indian subcontinent, including Cambodia, China, India, Japan, Korea, Malaysia, Pakistan, the Philippines, Thailand, and Vietnam. Those are all considered um, Asian Pacific Islander heritage. 
that's one thing that I had to live up for myself. Um, I found out. And again, next year, I'm going to do more for that. Uh, Mansoor, he, yeah, he was um, of Pakistani descent. Um, and then Bernard, Bernard was seen with Bothell, Washington. I had to look up because I had no idea where the hell that was. Um, but he went missing on November 5th, 2016 from Bothell, Washington. Um, Bothell's a three-hour drive from Portland. It's directly north of Bellevue. So he was, like, really, really up there in northern Washington. And then his car was found at Deception Pass State Park. And Coast Guard, um, Island County Fire and Rescue, nobody could find him. Um, Bernard was actually Filipino. He spoke both English and Tagalog. Um, and you guys might remember again from, I believe it was Krishna's case, uh, Deception Pass State Park. It's one of those state parks that's really pretty up there. Um, but unfortunately, that was, uh, what it's a park that has a unfortunately known like suicidal spot um and there's actually a movement where people like they drew inspiring messages on rocks um they got raised money to put like fences up um but yeah that was another very eerie coincidence um because krishna's thing was found at deception pass uh, and my little youngest one is waking up now, yelling at me. Later, baby. Later. Um, so, Nguyen Phuong and Soon Lee, that was uh, the second episode that I had did. Um, Nguyen actually has been missing since May 9th, 1991 from Linwood, Washington. Um, Lidwin is also north of Seattle. Uh, she was last seen leaving her parents' apartment. She was a student, um, at Shoreline Community College. She didn't end up in class. She was a clerical worker down in Seattle. She didn't end up at work. Um, which, you guys, I'm going to do this on Murder in the PNW, and you guys know, if you guys haven't subscribed yet, go subscribe, but I'm going to do this case. This is like a very well-known case. So, and I'll talk about that in a little bit, but check this out. Investigators actually believe she could have been a victim of the most famous serial killer in the Pacific Northwest, Gary Ridgway, the Green River Killer. Yeah. That man, we're going to cover him on Murder in the PNW. And that man, I don't know how the hell he got away with so many things in the 80s and 90s. But he, yeah, she was possibly a victim of his. And again, we'll talk about that. Um, I can't with my daughters right now. Girl, you, you on Facebook right now. What? You're on Facebook Live right now. Anyways, so, um, yeah, that was, uh, oh, God, that was just a crazy, oh, I hate Gary Witchway. I really do, guys. 
Um, Soon Lee was from Lakewood, Washington, and has been missing from since August 24, 2022. Uh, she was last seen near the Mount Tahoma Athletic Stadium. Uh, she did, it was reported that she was diagnosed with schizophrenia and dementia. Um, and she speaks Korean. She doesn't really know English. Um, so that could have had a lot to do with her disappearance, actually. Um, and the next case, I actually, I've tried a couple of different times to set up, um, Actually, that's not the next case. The one after that. Um, we'll just talk about Vincent real quick. Vincent G. Vincent Deej. Sorry. Again, I can't talk this morning. So, Vincent, I had talked to uh, one of his friends on Facebook. He's the one that kind of advocates for him. He's been missing since June 19, 2020 from Ashford, Washington. Um, he was last seen at the Mount Rainier National Park. He... Went um up there for a trip, but kind of had to like back up. So he on June eighteenth, twenty twenty, he actually checked into the Alexander's Lodge at Mount Rainier, and um he went hiking that day, like normal. Um, and then June nineteenth, the next day, he checked out of the lodge. Um, around three o'clock, though, he was seen still around the lodge and he was seen actually on a trail going hiking um but then he never came back uh he's actually an indonesian student he was in indonesia he's from indonesia he lived in seattle because he was getting his bachelor's degree um he came over to go to school he was bilingual he spoke both english and indonesian um he kind of understood like chinese and japanese um, and it's crazy too. The crazy thing was that he was one of four male hikers actually that went missing within like a three month period from one of the trails off of the Mount Rainier National Park. So <clears throat> it was Vincent. Um, it was, oh God. I can't remember their names, but within four months from June to October, there were Vincent and like three other guys. It was almost like one every month, which it was, it's crazy. It was so crazy to find that out. So I don't know again, what's going up on up there. But, um, again, I did, I have talked to one of his friends, um, who also was going to get in contact with his parents back in Indonesia, um, so I'm still trying to set up that interview as well. Um, and then back up a little. So Amandeep Carr and Theodore Teddy Sai was uh, one of the last episodes I did for the um, Asian Pacific Highlander uh, Heritage Month. Um, Amandeep. Girl, that was loud. Amandeep actually went missing on November 14th, 2022 from Auburn, Washington. Um, it's, oh yeah, that's where if you guys remember back, which actually this is kind of crazy because I was there like a month before she disappeared. But back in October, 2022, Auburn was where I went for the PNW True Crime Fest. Um, not even a month, like just over a month later, guys, on November 14th, because I was there, I think like October 8th and 9th, November 14th. Three, uh, um, that's, that's when she went missing. 
Yeah. And it was from, not from the PNW True Crime Fair, obviously, but she went missing from Auburn, which I was there. So that's, yeah. She was at a mall, too. Like, I don't understand. That was another thing is she was last seen at um, the Outlet Collection Mall. And I passed this mall on the way going up to the hotel where I stayed for the True Crime Fest. So all of that, when I did this episode, I was just like, that's really, really creepy. Um, and then Teddy, he actually, who is calling me? See, this is why people, they mess with my ADD. Like, I can't right now. My game's on, everything. Anyways, um, so, oh my gosh. (sighs) See, now I don't even know where I was. Oh, April 28, 2023 from Tacoma. That's when, uh, Teddy went missing. And literally, that's all the information that I can find. I, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, why there's not more information? Again, I don't know. And I hate that. But all I know is he went missing earlier this year. Let's see. Oh, Tika. Tika was another big case that I did this year. And I said I was going to make this an hour. And y'all know I lied because we over an hour now. Anyways, Tika. um, uh, Tika was another case that I know wholeheartedly the Tacoma police screwed this up. Um, And Tika was another case where I actually talked to her mom, Teresa, who lives on the East Coast now. Um, but she's over here a lot doing stuff for Tika. She's the one that got to tell Tika's story and what happened. Um, Tika went missing back in, uh, 1999 from a bowling alley, um, in mid, it was mid January. Yeah. Um, Tacoma police screwed all of that up, all of it. Uh, that's another case again where I can't really tell you a lot. That's you're literally gonna have to go listen to the interview I did with Tika's mom because that just it's it's so much more of what I could say um, about Tika. Uh, <laughs> Josie's like crashing my life right now. Um, so Lenoria Jones was another little girl. Tika was only, I think, like three. She was really, really little. She, um, she actually, Lenoria was three at the time of her disappearance. She also went missing from Tacoma, Washington on July 20th, 1995. She actually went missing while she was in the care of her aunt and, uh, her great aunt like had legal custody of her was in the process of adopting her. Um, but I wholeheartedly believe that her aunt has something to do with her disappearance. Uh, so yeah, that's another one. Another case you're just going to have to listen to. No, go away. This is my youngest. I'm on live right now for the, for the Facebook page. Um, so, let's see, uh, Myra and Vicky, Myra and Vicky, and then Emilia and Roberto, um, those are the next two, uh, episodes that I had, so, Myra, can I, can I watch 
Girl, no, I'm busy. Chill. I don't need all the noise. So, Myra Hernandez Lopez went missing on September 7th, 2022 from, guess where, guys? Yakima. And, unfortunately, that's all the information I have about her. Um, Vicky, on the other hand. So, Vicky went missing from Gresham, Oregon. Um, and her dates were a little confusing because... She's not in Oregon, like, missing list. She's on Washington State Patrol's missing list. And they have her missing um, on November 28, 2022. However, she's in NamUs. Um, You guys know I always cross-check NamUs. Most of these people that I talked about already, they're in NamUs. NamUs had her missing on September 28, 2022. Um, and then also, they have her missing from Seattle. She lived in Gresham, but I think the reason why they had her in Seattle was because she had told her family she was, like, planning a trip to Seattle. Um, and it was a while that her family didn't hear from her before she got uh, put missing. She is another one. She was another one that had super distinguishable tattoos. Um, she had... One on, turn that down or shut it off. So she's another one that had uh, her nose pierced. She had tattoos on her arm. Um, she had, let's see, she had a cross on the outside of her left hand. Um, she had the name Filiberto on her. She she actually had a face tattoo too in one of the pictures that I saw, but I'm not sure what it says. Um, she had roses, uh, like on her right collarbone and her shoulder. Um, and then she had another tattoo that was in Spanish. I'm not sure where it was located. Um, but it said, from what I could see, cause it's not very good. It said, están corto el amor, están alquila. Um, which loosely translates to love is so short love is so quick don't know where that was though and if anybody else can see that tattoo and like understand like actually read it um and if it has a different translation let me know but that's what i got out of that um and then emilio and roberto so emilio emilio actually went missing um July 19, 2019, from Auburn. That was another one that was went missing from Auburn. I swear, anywhere we go nowadays, guys, there's just... It's everywhere goes scary. Um, this was another one that he was seen in a white vehicle with some other people um, and then went missing after that. July 19, 2019. Um, and then Roberto actually has been missing since February 2022. I don't have an exact date, it says February 2022, he went missing from Vancouver, which is actually really close to right across the bridge from Portland, really close to where I live. Um, but his family didn't report him missing since until April 2022. So two months went by. They think he went missing in February, wasn't reported till April. Um, he was in like the East Fourth Plain area of Vancouver. If you know Pacific Northwest, you know where I'm talking about. If not, go look it up. 
Um, but those were, yeah, Emilio and Roberto were unfortunately very, very um, weird and very short cases that did not have a lot of information at all. Um, for Roberto, we at least know that he also had pretty distinguishable tattoos, um, tattoos in arms, legs, chest, uh, all stuff that would definitely stick out. And, um, then we did our, which I know I did these so late, guys. I'm so sorry. But for Hispanic Heritage Month, we did Hispanic Missing Children. Um, we did that. Also, I did a couple of others, um, that came out later. Uh, so Hispanic Missing Children Part 4 and Part 5, which I can't believe there's already that many of those. Um, Hispanic Missing Children Part 4, we covered Aaron Chirinos Maridiaga, who went missing on September 7, 2019 from Mount Lake Terrace, Washington. Um, Mia Trevino went missing on June 28th, 2023 from Spokane, Washington. Although I can't remember if it was the Washington State Police or which one was it, but she was actually missing on two different sites. One said June 28th, 2023 from Spokane, but the other one said November 12th, 2023 from Moses Lake. Guys, that was like last month. So if she went missing in June, that was just six months ago. If she went missing in November, that was literally last month. So I'm honestly not sure which one it is. Um, Mia, not sure if she's related to Nevaeh. She may be, but then again, Nevaeh Trevino has been missing since August 29th, 2023 from Moses Lake, Washington. So I guess it would kind of make sense if Mia went missing on November 12th from Moses Lake, but I don't know. I can't confirm if they were related or not. Um, it was just two girls, same last name you know, possibly went missing at different times from the same location. It was just too many different, like, circumstances or coincidences in that. Um, now, Hispanic Mission Children Part 5, uh, we covered um, Delma. So it was Delma, or excuse me, Delmi, Delmi Acosta. Um, she's been missing since November 1st, 2021 from Portland, uh, she speaks Spanish mostly and not really understands English. Um, not sure. There wasn't a lot, obviously, but she came over from New York. Um, she actually lived in New York. She was living in Portland. She was trying to get back to New York. Um, that's at least what they think because she's been missing. Uh, and then Charlie Milgo Mejia, he's been missing since October 5th, 2017 from Portland as well. Um, and then Juliana, Juliana Escudero, I swear I have covered her before, but I don't think I did. Um, she's been missing since November 1st, 20, actually November 1st, 2001 from Salem, Oregon. Um, she was 14 at the time and reportedly she was missing with a 23 year old Hispanic man. Um, she has a birthmark on her abdomen near her navel, pierced ears, and she loved wearing those like huge gold hoop earrings. Um, 
anyone back then. I used to wear those back then, guys. This was 2001, okay? Um, so, yeah, that one, they kind of knew. I feel like they knew what happened on that one, but then they didn't really say it. Um, the other two were, oh gosh, Sophia. Sophia was, uh, Sophia Juarez. So she was a little girl who went missing. She kind of paved the way for Amber Alerts, um, which isn't a good thing, but she went missing February 4, 2003, which was literally one day before her fifth birthday. Um, they know that she was abducted. They didn't say that until way later, though. Um, she was abducted from Kennewick, Washington, uh, Tri-Cities of Kennewick. She lived in that area. Um, unfortunately, her mom later, a uh, couple, I think it was like five or six years later after her disappearance, actually ended up passing away. Um, and... One thing, though, with this case, guys, is you guys got to go back and listen to it. But you guys know how I... And I'm not afraid to do it either. I criticize the police because they... A lot of times, they could have did way more than what they did. But not for Sophia's case. For Sophia's case, literally, the police and the community came together so fierce. And I honestly do not believe that they left any stone unturned they straight up did so much for Sophia and it it's a lot and again you guys need to go back and listen to that because it's it's a lot that they did um she also had some pretty tragic things though and some like there was a woman in TikTok who People were saying that they thought could be Sophia or look like Sophia. She was this woman who had some mental health issues down in Mexico. Um, and in February 2022, DNA ruled out that that woman wasn't Sophia. So how that whole... This is the one thing I hate about TikTok and social media is like you guys do shit for clout, like clickbait. It's so annoying because so many people went through this whole cycle of emotions just to find out that this chick was actually crazy in a mental hospital in Mexico and was not Sophia. So all of that other shit was unnecessary. Um, but I know the police, the police have like, can I please have a whole page dedicated to her? I know that they tried anything and everything to find her. Um, and she was another one. Like she was such a beautiful little girl. And, um, she had a mole under her eye. She had a birthmark. She had her little ears pierced. Um, that was another one, which... And that one was huge for Washington, too, because that was the very first time that an Amber Alert had ever been issued for a missing child in Washington. So she was... That's why I said she paved the way for that. And then Pedro, Cynthia, and Gracie. So Pedro was the new um, case that I had presented. Pedro, he was actually, uh, I tried to get a hold of his wife um, on Facebook. He went missing May 9, 2021 from Wenatchee, Washington. Um, he was last reported uh, leaving his house. The next day, his car was found at Mission Ridge Ski Resort. 
they say the cops did a massive search, um, but they like his family has no idea why the hell he would even be at that ski resort. Um, he, they said that he'd been acting strangely, maybe like paranoid. Um, and then this was a case that irritated the hell out of me because Washington State Patri- Patrol has him under whites. His race is under white when he's actually Hispanic. Um, and that again is one of the downfalls is law enforcement miss, uh, they mislabel you and it's detrimental for a lot of reasons. Um, but he's actually Hispanic. Um, and then I think Namus actually had him as Hispanic. Um, and so, yeah, but him to just pop up on a ski resort and his family has no idea why the hell they were there. All of that was just suspicious. In that episode, I also did two case reminders. So, Cynthia Martinez and Graciela Gracie Garcia, they were a couple of the first episodes that I ever did for the podcast. And I started the podcast in 2021 during Hispanic Heritage Month. And so, they were two of the episodes that I did for Hispanic Heritage Month. So, just a little um, update on those. That's what I think in 2024 I'm going to do again is... Uh, do new cases, but I'm going to highlight also past cases um, just to keep those in your mind again. So Cynthia actually went missing two days after her 26th birthday. She went missing on July 15, 2017. Um, she went to a quinceanera that night in Woodburn, and then she last spoke to her mom around 1030. Um, it was reported that Cynthia left the quince and went to a bar in Kaiser called Tequila Nights, which that bar actually got closed down. It got turned into a dance like nightclub. And then actually now it's closed down again. Um, there's that there's nothing in that building right now. Um, she was last seen at, on surveillance footage leaving the bar with a man in a blue Honda Odyssey. Um, his name is Jaime Alvarez Oliveira. There was pictures I had put up for him. Um, Cops are pretty convinced that he had something to do with the disappearance. Um, It's a lot because I'm pretty sure like Jaime's wife or whatever was, they contacted her and she said nothing. It's just another crazy, crazy thing. Um, But yeah, Cynthia, I'm going to get her name and face out there again. Same thing with Gracie. Gracie was one that... She went missing sometime between 7 p.m. on Friday night, November November 8th, 2019, and Saturday, November 9th, 2019. She went missing from Hermiston, Oregon. And the reason why I have those specific dates is because around 7, she texts her son, who was with his dad, who she was supposed to bring food to him that night. Um, he tried to call her, but it went straight to voicemail. And then instead of Gracie showing up with the food, Gracie's husband showed up with the food. And Gracie's husband reportedly told the son that she had just went to sleep. Well, 1230 in the morning, crossing over the Umatilla Bridge into Washington from Hermiston is the last place that her phone pinged. Um, she also was not reporting missing until Monday, November 11th by her husband, her daughters knew the next day, though, that something was wrong, not only from her son saying something, but just because her daughters know her. Nothing was taken. She was a hair salon. She, like, had her in-home hair salon. She was very well known in the community. Um, there's just no way in hell that she was going to just walk away from everything. 
But yeah. That's and I'm pretty sure I will say it right now. I don't care. Her husband has something to do with her disappearance. I know he did. I I know he did. Um so the last episode oh yeah, there you go. So the last episode was the um 2023 uh episode that I do on Black Friday, which is actually Native American Heritage Day. Um, that was when I, I read the names of everybody on the, uh, missing indigenous person list. So that's that. Um, that's the recap of missing the PNW for 2023. Um, there's just a couple of things that I wanted to, uh, make kind of known. So, I know I've been doing a lot with the podcast and I haven't been doing a lot with the podcast because I've been doing other things with via Northwest. Um, but BS in the Northwest is here and good to go. Um, we're going to start doing guest hosts on BS in the Northwest next year. Um, Missing in the PNW is going to change from weekly to biweekly. Um, and that's just to offset me doing BS in the Northwest biweekly as well. Uh, Zeke and I are planning on a lot of things for Via Northwest in the new year. We got a couple other shows um, that are going to come out. We're starting to recruit other podcasts. If you have a podcast or a podcast bestie or you recommend a podcast, let me know. Um, We are going to start bringing other podcasts under the Via Northwest network. Um, And... Yeah, we got gaming, we got podcasts, we are doing community outreach, we're doing um, a lot of different things. Uh, so yeah, Via Northwest is going to blow up in 2024. Um, there's a lot of personal things happening for me. Um, I will have a lot more time come summer because I'm actually graduating. Finally, I started the podcast when I started college and you guys have been through all of it with me. So finally, I have a graduation date of April 26th. Uh, my daughter is so weird back there. Josie. You're trying to crash my live again. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I'm finally graduating. So I won't have school to worry about. Um, and then, yeah, via Northwest, uh, BS in the Northwest, Missing in the PNW. Uh, Zeke has Northwest and Chill. Um, Zeke's trying to get the wrestling podcast back. Me and Zeke are talking about doing another podcast. We have people who have approached us that want to start podcasts. It's a lot that's going on. Um, we're going to do, like I said, a lot of gaming. We got merch. We're going to do a photo shoot, actually, for uh, the podcast for Missing in the PNW and for Via Northwest. Um, yeah, so all of that is coming. Uh, I have Murder in the PNW, my Patreon now. If you guys haven't subscribed, subscribe to that. Um, I'm going to be a little late just because of the holidays getting out this month's episode, but it is on some Christmas murders. So, yeah. Christmas murders. Yes, that's what I said. Um, but yeah, my Patreon, um, you'll get ad-free one episode a month where we deep dive into notorious murders, family annihilators, serial killers, all of that. So we're going to do that. She's back there singing. 
Um, so Murder in the PNW, I got a new logo that's coming to one of my friends at work's actually really good. She can draw so good and do digital stuff. So she's making me my logo. Um, and then, yeah. Uh, God, what else? I can't, I can't say the names of the podcast, but we do have a couple of podcasts that we're trying to get under the Via Northwest umbrella. Um, so hopefully I'll have more info on that for you. Um, gosh, yeah, it's just going to be about building Via Northwest and building Murder in the PNW, my Patreon. Um, that's 2024 is going to be about, and we're going to, you know, we're going to do whatever we can and we're going to do community outreach. We're going to make sure everybody's okay. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah. I mean, I can't say a lot again, but that's the updates that I have for you guys. Um, and then the Patreon again, five bucks a month, uh, one ad free deep dive a month on episode. Um, the other thing is you'll get stickers, you'll get access to merch. Well, first access, um, with discounts. Um, you will get uh, handwritten notes, um, some other little goodies for me. Um, so again, five bucks a month, Murder in the PNW. Go look that up on Patreon. I'll share the link again. Um, yeah, I think that about wraps stuff up. Uh, it's New Year's Eve 2023. Oh, I'm glad that if you guys celebrate any type of holidays, I hope you guys had the best holidays. Um, I hope that... Your New Year's Eve is good. Uh, you have a good New Year. 2024 is going to be a big year. Um, and to close it off, like I always do, guys, you know I say this every time. But tonight especially, because it's New Year's Eve, because there's crazy people out, because stuff's happening, please, please, please have fun, but be safe. Talk to y'all later. Thank you.